A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, To you who hear, I say, Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. To the person who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other one as well. And from the person who takes your cloak, do not withhold even your tunic. Give to everyone who asks of you, and from the one who takes what is yours, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. For if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good, To those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. If you lend money to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners and get back the same amount. But rather, love your enemies and do good to them. And lend, expecting nothing back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be called children of the Most High. For he himself is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Stop judging, and you will not be judged. Stop condemning, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and gifts will be given to you, a good measure, packed together, shaken down and overflowing, will be poured into your lap. For the measure with which you measure will in return be measured out to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Tomorrow, as you know, is President's Day, the day when we're especially mindful of our national leaders. We particularly remember George Washington, Abraham Lincoln. Their birthdays are always celebrated this time of year. And I think it's a good question to ask whether it's the defining moments of history that create good leaders, or do good leaders create the defining moments in history. We have all kinds of myths about our leaders, you know. George Washington, we love to tell the story about him standing with all those cherry tree shavings saying to his father, I can't tell a lie, I chop it down. We 
hear so much about Abraham Lincoln, who was a formidable wrestler, even well into his 40s, and then worked hard on the railroad and would spend late hours in his little one-room cabin by candlelight reading and writing. And he got the name Honest Abe. So the question, were these men born that way with those qualities of integrity and honesty, or were the circumstances at the time that they lived such that they brought or forged those qualities in them? So essentially, we're asking, can leadership be taught, or does someone have to be born a leader? Remember years ago when I was an associate pastor here under Father Roman, we were at that time preparing to elect the next abbot of St. Procopius Abbey, and I think Father Roman wanted it. He hears it now. <laughs> but I remember asking him, what makes a good leader to find that for me? And I loved his definition. He said, a good leader was somebody who could articulate a vision for the future and make it so attractive that people wanted to be a part of it, just naturally. And I liked that. I would just add one little addition and say that the good leader articulates the vision, makes it attractive, but he or she also has to embody it if there's going to be any integrity there. They have to live that vision in their own lives. So I don't know if everyone would agree that George Washington and Abraham Lincoln were good leaders. I would say that they were. But I'm certain that everyone here would agree that Jesus was a good leader. Because how else could we explain the way Christianity just took off like fire in those early days? I mean, sociologists, historians, people who don't even have any faith convictions marvel at the way the church just catapulted itself into that time. Was it the vision of Jesus was it the person of Jesus? What made it so attractive that people were willing to even die to be a part of that? I think part of the answer to that question is found in today's gospel, where Jesus gives this series of injunctions. I say to you, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone hits you on one cheek, give them the other. If they take your coat, give them your tunic as well. Give to everyone who asks. and Don't expect it back. Okay. Is that an attractive vision? Not everyone has thought so, historically. The philosopher Nietzsche said that those sayings of Jesus prove that Christianity is for the weak, not the strong. Christianity is for the weak, because weak people won't fight back 
They can't. They have no other option. And I wonder if any parent in this room would tell his son or daughter that if a bully picks on you, just let him keep doing that. You know, my dad wouldn't have said that. He always taught us, if the bully hits you, you hit him back, and then they'll stop. But that isn't what Jesus says. He says, love your enemy. And if we do, we give the enemy another chance to hit us. And if we do good to those who hate us, we can become very codependent and even masochistic in some way. And if we give to everyone who begs, eventually we're going to become the beggars and find out that most people don't give to the beggars anyway. So Jesus' statements can sound shocking, if not preposterous. They can make him look simplistic and naive. And if we even want to look on a global scale right now, who would dare say to the people of Ukraine, just let Russia come in. Let them roll their tanks into your villages, burn your homes, destroy your churches, take over your government, your identity, and make them part of you. Who would, who would suggest that to those people? And so what do we answer about Jesus' vision? If we say that Jesus' vision is not attractive or something we want to be a part of, then we have to answer the question, how did Christianity take off the way it did? What made people find it so appealing? How did that message attract so many? I don't know that there's a clear answer to that question. I think sometimes religion doesn't have clear answers. But I think Christianity always asks the right questions. So was Jesus a perfect leader because he personified those values in his own life? Did the circumstances in which he lived help to form those values or articulate that teaching? Again, I don't have clear answers to those questions. But here are two things I would assert. The first is that Jesus saw violence as something that never ends. Violence begets violence. It just keeps spiraling out, cycling down to the point of death. I think Jesus was convinced of that, the never-ending nature of violence. And I believe his second conviction was the never-ending nature of God's love, God's unconditional, merciful love. That, too, cycles, but not to death, but to life. And I believe Jesus opted for that one. He opted to believe and to commit his whole life, everything he said and did, 
to God's unwavering love and mercy and decided that the circumstances of life were not going to dictate his behavior. Persecutors, haters, enemies, they love to infect us with their toxins. But Jesus wouldn't be seduced by that. Instead, he felt that if it's going to end violence, it has to begin with the self. This is probably not going to be something that happens overnight. But that's why we're here. That's why we come to this place week after week, month after month, year after year, to take into our very bodies the body of the one who broke the cycle of death by nailing it to the cross so that it could go no farther. And perhaps one day, after feeding sufficiently on this divine food, this divine body of Christ, we will become that body and know what it means to be, in Jesus' own words, children of the Most High.